welcome everyone to another edition of the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast. This is episode 133. Good day to everybody watching and listening around the world. I'm your host, Chris Cato, and I'm joined by my Backmarkers, Tyler and Shaker, who I'll bring in in just a second. Today, we're going to be talking about some of the latest news in the F1 preseason as we're really rounding up to the start of the 2023 season, just only a few weeks away, of course, in Bahrain. So we're going to talk a little bit about the big Ford news and, of course, uh, some of the livery reveals that we've seen up until this point. So without further ado, bringing in my backmarkers from the cold climbs of Ottawa, Canada, Tyler McDonald and Shaker Vardy. Good day to you guys. How are you boys doing today? Yeah, yeah, cold is a, a good way to put it. Um, minus 44 degrees Celsius overnight here uh, in Ottawa. So very, very cold. <laughs> like, it was ridiculously cold. Just like, honestly, the perfect word. I had to work an overnight last night and it sucked. <laughs> so, but yes, cold, you know, I'm very excited for when it to get warm this week. It's weird. It's negative 44 and it goes up to negative four, I think, on Monday. <laughs> wow. Wow. And that's warm for us. People are like, negative four. Oh my God. But yeah, that's warm. That's going to be great. For our American fans, that's Celsius, not Fahrenheit. Yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> yeah, well, know, minus, minus four Celsius would be like, what, like 25 Fahrenheit? Yeah, something like that. I never knew the conversion. Uh, well, I don't need to know it now anymore either. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, over here in Serbia, it's uh, kind of gets down to about minus one, minus two, the coldest uh, so far. But um, yeah, it's uh, spring is actually around the corner here. So uh, not to rub it into for you guys, but I did see the <laughs> the cold spell that you guys just had in the recent day or two, and I was like, ooh, that's yeah. uh, I, I remember that feeling. But uh, <laughs> I I don't know what bad omens coming. But did you hear about the news in Quebec? Yeah. Yeah. So there. There, it was Groundhog Day, of course. If you don't know who what Groundhog Day is, it's like a groundhog. It's the stupidest thing in the world. The groundhog comes out of the ground. If he sees its shadow, it's like six more weeks of winter. If he does it, spring's going to come early. Well, the groundhog in Quebec died on Groundhog Day. So I don't know if like the apocalypse is going to come or what's happening. But yeah, it's kind of, I feel like that's a bad omen for your groundhog to die on Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day was the coldest day of the year. <laughs> Maybe Not it means for, forever winter now. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's definitely that time of year for uh, for you guys over there, and uh, I don't miss that. That's for sure. But uh, it certainly puts the winter in uh, winter testing or, <laughs> or the winter <laughs> season. So, yeah, uh, hopefully it warms up there for you guys soon, and uh, wherever you guys are watching or listening, hopefully it's not too cold. And you're neck of the woods, but today we're going to be uh, just talking about the big news that came out in recent times, which is, of course, the announcement of the partnership with Ford and Red Bull coming in 2026. Of course, it is official now, but the uh, deal will really come into effect with the new engine regulations as well in 2026. So just before we get to that news, because it's going to be really the bulk of the show today, I just want to do a couple of housekeeping notes for you guys. Um, if you haven't noticed, the Backmarkers F1 show is back doing regular content, of course, for uh, the last couple of weeks. And if you haven't checked out our F1 team profiles yet for 2023, go to the homepage on our channel and you'll find the playlist there for, we got about six teams so far. It's just kind of doing a little bit of a preview for each team, their drivers, the key personnel, different things like that, just so you can get up to speed with some of the changes for the 10 teams this season. 
We've, of course, got new episodes of the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast coming out as well. And just a little bit of announcement for the future coming in about two or three weeks' time from February 23rd to 25th. We will be going live on this channel for 2023 F1 winter testing. So we're going to be doing three days of live streaming, and uh, I think we'll be doing some AM and PM sessions as well. And of course, uh, I'll be hosting that. Tyler and Shaker will hopefully be joining me on those three days, depending on their schedules. Uh, And if not, then we're going to try and have some other special guests as well. So really keep an eye out for that. We're going to have some more official announcements coming in the next week or two. We really want to try and build that up so that we have a lot uh, of an audience for those testing days because... It's going to be much easier to have you guys in a live chat with us and and discussing it. It makes it a lot more fun. So just keep an eye out for that as well. So just a couple of those quick announcements that we wanted to get through. So let's move on to the big news of the last couple of days. On Friday, February the 3rd in New York City, Red Bull held an extravagant launch of what was supposed to be the RB19, but it was really a dummy call just to debut the new announcement and the new partnership with Ford. So what they're going to be doing, Red Bull, is they're going to be partnering with Ford Motor Company for the 2026 season as an engine supplier. So it will be known as Red Bull Ford Powertrains. Now, some of the new viewers out there, maybe you don't know, Ford is actually the most one of the most successful engine manufacturers in F1 history. They are third all time in terms of engine manufacturers were for victories. So they are a very successful manufacturer, 176 wins in Formula One. They haven't been on the grid since 2004, so they are coming back in 2026 with Red Bull. It will be a deal involving Alpha Tauri and Red Bull as well going forward. It's 2026 to 2030, and then I'm sure it will be extended beyond that as well. So before we get into some of the more details of the deal and, of course, the engine regulations as well, Tyler, let's start with you. What were your initial reactions to the announcement of the Ford Red Bull powertrains department for uh, the future? Yeah, I mean, when this all started getting talked about, I uh, was kind of interested. Um, I wasn't expecting Ford to make a return to Formula One. I kind of wasn't in the the realms of things that I thought was going to happen. But um, for them to land such a big team in Red Bull and, of course, uh, its sister team in Alpha Tauri, is a huge deal for motorsport in America. Of course, we've seen um, this the surge of popularity of Formula One in the United States. Three Grand Prix this year, um, a possible new team coming in in Andretti. Uh, who knows if that becomes a thing? But maybe what happened was Ford saw their arch rivals, Chevrolet's company, GM, um, possibly want to go in with uh, with Cadillac and Andretti. So. Um, they beat Chevy and, and Cadillac to the punch in getting into F1 before them officially and uh, have a what will be a very strong partnership with a Red Bull. And I mean, the big thing that the, these partnerships are talking about was the EV component. Of course, with the 2026 regulations, there's a huge, huge um, stance in the electrical power. Three times the electrical power there will be in 2026, producing around 350 kilowatts of power compared to the uh, what is right now 120 kilowatts of energy currently deployed by the MGUK and the MGUH. So um, it's it's going to be uh, uh, very interesting to see how Ford does and if there's going to be some sort of um, learning curve like what the, what Honda had with Red Bull where they struggled for a few years with reliability. So they do have well three years to try and figure this out, but um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in 2026. 
Yeah, I, I think you said it best, Tyler. I'm very, I've, I mentioned it before our podcast, I'm very excited for Ford to come in because like you guys mentioned, they're one of the biggest manufacturers in F, F1 for engine. And, you know, to now have Ferrari, for, uh, Ford, as well as Mercedes and, you know, and Ford partnering up with Red Bull with the top three teams at the moment is a huge big deal because that's going to be a very big marketing uh, partner, um, sorry, market, uh, marketing marketing Sorry, my dog just got in the way. I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's going to be a huge marketing campaign for all three manufacturers as well. And like you mentioned, if Chevy does decide to come in, that's a huge thing for them uh, for 2026. And I think it just it just really shows how big F1 is getting again uh, in terms of as a sport with all these bigger manufacturers looking to come back in with Audi in 2026 and, you know, who knows if BMW decides to come in in the next however many years, they still have some time to decide, but it's really good for the sport in general to have all these engine manufacturers in. And especially, I think we talked about it, a lot of the works teams, we, who knows if they're going to be using the same engines as, as, you know, as like Red Bull and Mercedes, they have, they have more engines to choose from now as well. So it's going to be very competitive uh, in 2026. But like you mentioned, we'll see how Ford does with Red Bull. Um, they have a few years to get ahead of it and work with their engine manufacturers. So that's good. Yeah. And just to add on to some of the details of uh, the engine regulations there and some of the more uh, reasons why Ford decided to get in now. So uh, we'll just pull up this uh, article here from formula one.com. And like you mentioned there, Tyler, there is a, a pretty huge component of the electrical side of it as well, which Ford is kind of, specializing in now and and as we see here starting in uh based on the current turbocharged 1.6 power unit f1's future engine regulations will feature increased electrical power and of course the move to 100 100 sustainable fuels while also improving safety and lowering costs for manufacturers a giant so they're talking about ford here a giant of both the motorsport world and the automotive industry ford are set to provide expertise in several areas of development including battery cell and electric motor technology as well as power unit control software and analytics so 2026 might seem like a little bit of a far away but when we're talking about new engines it really isn't that far away i mean work is going to have to really begin already and especially now that this is a new partnership between red bull and for that work is going to have to already begin and uh, just to add to that as well this tweet here from Craig Scarborough who is uh, one of the tech experts in the Formula One world give him a follow on Twitter if you uh, haven't already followed him just kind of outlining the the differences in the power unit in 2026 of course they will be losing the MGOH the motor generator unit heat aspect of this turbo power unit is will be gone in 2026 as well as the split turbos and the variable inlets so it's still going to be producing around a thousand horsepower, but it's going to become coming more from that uh, MGUK, the electrical side of it. So you can clearly tell why Ford was eager to get in now. Of course, we can maybe get to my opinion on this uh, a little bit later on, but there is a huge marketing push behind this, as you said there, Shaker, which is one of the reasons why we see a lot of these manufacturers coming in now. So. So far, as it stands, for 2026, we are up to six power unit manufacturers confirmed for the Formula One grid. So we got Alpine Racing, Audi, Ferrari, Honda Racing, Mercedes-AMG, and now, of course, Red Bull Ford. And um, there is a possibility for other engine manufacturers to still enter, even though it is past the deadline. 
But um, what do you make of the six engine manufacturers that we have on the grid now? I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we were just down to three, which was really Renault, uh, or excuse me, four, Renault, Honda, Ferrari, and Mercedes. And now we have six and potentially even more. So what do you guys make of that? I think it's great for the sport. I mean, um, to have all, hopefully this means more teams on the grid, of course, but um, it just creates a little bit more of a uh, variance between the field. As you mentioned, we only had three before and we were up to four recently. And I mean, I think the, the really interesting thing there is where's Honda going to end up? Of course, they had their partnership with Red Bull and AlphaTauri not too long ago, but are they going to make the road? Are we going to see the return of BR Honda or whatever it was uh, was called back in the day? And uh, or are they going to uh, partner with a different team? Of course, um, it won't be Sauber because Sauber's partnered up with uh, with Audi, uh, I believe, right? It's Audi, not Porsche. That's right. Yeah, okay. I'm just making sure. Um, so that leaves only a few engine manufacturers uh, or probably teams that they could partner with um, without putting their own team in there as well. So it could be a really interesting storyline to follow along with there. Yeah, I, I, I think Honda having no team signed technically in terms of their engine is probably the most interesting thing for 2026. I, I love Honda as an uh, engine manufacturer, mainly because Honda was my first car that I got. Uh, but <laughs> I, <laughs> me too, I, me too. <laughs> so I, I'm very excited. And like, there's so many more Asian drivers on the grid at the moment for Honda to represent as well. Um, so it, it's great for Honda to come back in and I'm very excited to see where they end up. If it's, you know, be it, they partnership with the work, uh, be a partnership with the works team like Alpha Tori, um, or, you know, even with Williams or something like that, that'd be really exciting to see, to have Williams there as they have basically a dedicated engine they can work with rather than going with Mercedes. Um, so yeah, no, I, I'm very excited. And, and like I meant, I, like I mentioned earlier, BMW, whoever decides to come back into the sport as well with all these bigger engine manufacturers coming back in for 2026, it's, it's just great for the sport in general. It will be really interesting to see what Honda does going forward, because when we look at what potential teams they could team up with, it is really kind of a head scratcher there. And, um, I think with Williams, the the partnership with Mercedes might even strengthen going forward. Now with James Values, James Vowles being the team principal, but at the end of the day, Williams is going under a lot of financial trouble still. So could we see Honda take over that team as a works team again? Um, we've heard rumors of Porsche probably maybe taking over Williams as well. So there's a lot of speculation here about where Honda could land. But I am glad to see Honda on the entry list there for 2026. Now, whether that's subject to change or not, I'm not really sure. But uh, let us know in the comments what you think in terms of which team could potentially partner uh, with uh, Honda power units in 2026 going forward. But uh, yeah, this is huge news for Red Bull, of course. They're coming off of a double world championship status going for the three-peat this year. And now they've got this really big rebrand coming on the way. Of course, first it was supposed to be Porsche, and now it's uh, moved into Ford. So it really is big. And and there really is another side to this, of course, which is the, the marketing and the business side of it. I think, unfortunately, as much as it is nice to see a brand like Ford, which has a very iconic history, not just in Formula One, but in motor racing as well, I think that this decision is driven more by business and profit motives as well because of the good public relations that comes from the 
new engine regulations that promotes the electrification and all that type of stuff. And it's just good business for Ford. I think that's why that they're entering the sport now than, than they would have a few years ago. So hopefully the partnership works out. I think, um, cautiously optimistic at that at this point hopefully it's not going to be a, a total failure or a total disaster and i hope it works out well for red bull but uh certainly interesting to see where this is going to move forward yeah absolutely and i mean we've seen kind of the troubles that red bull have had with almost every single engine supplier they've had uh, in the past and um we've seen honda pull out of the sport uh, a few times before and i'm sure they could pull their agreement again before 2026 as well so maybe we don't even see honda on the grid i mean who knows but uh there's always seems to be that just weird inkling of drama when it comes to red bull and their powertrain uh, manufacturer yeah i i think like you mentioned chris like the marketing standpoint's huge because if you do look at all the engine manufacturers that have entered are basically I mean, if you look at Audi with VW, if you look at Ford, they're at the moment behind Tesla. They're probably behind for electronic vehicles. They're, you know, top five uh, engine manufacturers. Well, I say engine, but electronic vehicle manufacturers behind Tesla at the moment in terms of how much they're producing. So it's a great and same with Honda. You know, the reason they backed out completely uh, at a Red Bull Honda was because they wanted to be viewed as more of a um, what do you call it as a more of a green company, right? So it's, it's, it's really interesting to see all those engine manufacturers. And I'm interested to see what Porsche does because technically they're owned by Audi, correct? So it's, it's, it will be really interesting to see what happens with that. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot going on in the world of, of Formula One. And if the Andretti GM new team eventually comes to fruition, Will they build their own engine? Will they ask to be supplied by Honda? Or will they ask to be supplied by Ford? Probably not by Ford, but <laughs> maybe Definitely. Honda. Who knows? <laughs> um, well, and isn't Andretti's uh, goal 2024? Was that what the original goal was? Or is it 2026? I think it was 2024. So, I mean, they're not going to make Chevrolet make an engine for two years and then have to change it. So I wonder if they go with a different engine supplier for the first couple of years and then move move to Chevrolet, who knows? Or Cadillac it would be, I guess, is it the brand they'd go under. Um, but that, that's an interesting storyline to follow. Even if, if they even get into F1, I don't know why teams don't want them there. Anyways, it's, that's a whole other topic we can get on another day. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and it creates a lot of storylines for sure, you know, like the Chevy versus Ford, uh, Chevy versus Ford storyline, Ford versus Ferrari storyline, you know, for it, it's huge. It, it Ford entering the sport definitely creates a lot of storylines and a lot of drama for a lot of companies in terms of history that they have, right? So it'd be interesting to see what Chevy does decide to do, because now with Ford entering the sport, I, I bet they're even more inclined to try and get in now. So it, it'll be really interesting to see. And I think it just shows how big, uh, you know, American viewers have basically inspired for F1 to basically go to, you know, with the amount of uh, American races that are happening uh, with American en uh, engine manufacturers entering. It just shows the amount of marketing that the USA basically has in terms of viewership. So Most definitely. And it's evident by the recent launch by Red Bull in New York City, of course, and their sister team, Alpha Tauri, who will be launching on the 11th of February. That's happening in New York City as well. Three American races in 2023, as you guys previously mentioned. 
So uh, yeah, cash is king, and uh, and the United States is shelling out a lot of it for Formula One. So uh, again, I just hope that it's good for the sport of Formula One and uh, and not just the business. So we have to wait and see. Time will tell what these new manufacturers will bring in, but uh, things are moving pretty quickly. I mean, the last time we were on this podcast, we were discussing the Andretti GM bid, and we really didn't talk about Ford all that much. And now here we go, less than a month later. And they are back in Formula One. Of course, these were uh, fairly recent developments. There was quite a bit of talk of it in December, but now it's uh, it's official. So uh, leave your comments uh, in, in the video section below uh, on what you think of this partnership. Now, this whole big deal was <laughs> announced at what was supposed to be the launch of the new RB19. And if you didn't watch the launch for Red Bull, congratulations, because you saved yourself a good 55 minutes of time that you will never get back. Because I was sitting there tuned in at 9 a.m. waiting for some footage so that I could put out this Red Bull video. And I had to wait about 51 minutes until they finally revealed the car. And the livery was pretty much exactly the same as 2022. And the car was really not the new RB19. It was just last year's car with the new livery. So it was a brutal launch, I must say. Probably, if not the worst, one of the worst car launches in history. Just a lot of stuff that really didn't need to be there. And the whole thing was just way, way too long for, for what it needed to be. But that's the launch anyway. I can't get that time back. But let's look at the so-called livery of the so-called RB19. And uh, I don't know, guys, what stands out to you? Because it looks pretty damn familiar to me. Uh, it's Red Bull car. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a Red Bull, and uh, it is a Red Bull. That's, uh, that's about all I've got toward it. I mean couple new sponsors on there but a very lackluster um unveiling i guess i don't know what we were expecting i mean it, it delivery on a red bull hasn't really changed uh but what does interest me are the uh the fan uh votes deliveries that they'll be doing i think it's three this year that they're doing where the fans can uh yeah fans can actually decide what the livery is going to be so that's going to be interesting i kind of like how they've um put that into there um but other than that it's uh it's a red bull yeah i i like that you brought that up tyler because I, I obviously i'm i was at work on friday when the launch happened and a bunch of people who watch f1 they're like oh that's really exciting to see you know obviously the red bull looks the same but they were most stoked about the fact that they can submit three uh basically submit three designs to go uh, to happen at any of the races and that also means they're probably going to do the usual ones that they do at like um at the British Grand Prix, as well as the Austrian Grand Prix, I think they do like special ones as well. So we could see five different Red Bulls there too, possibly. It's nice to see them attempting to try and do more special one-off liveries because we've really enjoyed that the past couple of seasons. McLaren has done a few. And even Red Bull did a special one uh, in 2021, I believe, the, the white Red Bull. But... Yeah, yeah, I think that was a, a few years back as well. So, uh, yeah, the design competition will be cool. Um, hopefully, it's going to be something that's going to be, you know, different than than this, obviously. I, I guess just from a standpoint, I was hoping that it would be a little bit different. I mean, the thing that I don't like about this particular livery is, you know, obviously, it's too much of the sponsors that, you, that stands out. Like, I wish that it wouldn't say Oracle on the side there and that it would be the Red Bull branding instead. Um, it, it's just the last couple of years, the sponsors have gotten more and more space on the cars and I don't like it as much. I think, uh, just a simpler design is better, but 
they've kind of gone with this iconic look the last almost 10 seasons, really. And I understand it because that's their brand. It's almost like Ferrari now where you know it's going to be red. And, and that's about it. But um, I was slightly disappointed because, honestly, there really isn't much of a change other than the few logos here and there that are different. And, and that's about it. So um, I don't know if there's really any much more that we can say on, on the RB19. This was supposed to be a, a livery re reaction podcast, but there's not much to react to there. No, hopefully we have some more creativity coming in the uh, other eight um, manufacturers <laughs> coming out with theirs. Yeah, I think Red Bull just really went with, with if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, but I mean, in 2026, it's probably going to be the same car, but a Ford Blue, right? So, oh, there's a good idea. Yeah, maybe they, they throw it back to more of a Ford Blue than a, the, the Red Bull Blue that they have. That's interesting. Yeah, I think that's all that's going to happen in 2026. So our, our, yeah. our livery reveal will probably be exactly the same, but it will be <laughs> <laughs> Wait till 2026 till we have a new livery. <laughs> well, we can get off of Red Bull then and actually go to a team that released a new livery. And see, this is why I like F1 launch season when we actually get a new livery and we go, oh, wow, look at that. It's different. And we can clearly see that there is a change here. And of course, it was the first team to uh, release their livery and was Haas F1. And Haas typically don't really go into much of a big, you know, launch event with the pageantry and stuff like that. I think budget issues come in with that as well. They usually just release their car renders and then debut the actual physical car on site at testing. So let's take a look at Haas's livery. And I want to get your guys' thoughts on this because I think uh, so far... They've got the best livery of 2023. Yep. Yeah, I agreed. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, I really like um, the switch that they've made this year to uh, more of a, a black, dark themed color uh, to, to, to their car. Um, I think it's really, really sleek. I'm really excited to see how this car looks at night. I think it's going to be a, a phenomenal yes. car at night races. Um, and I just, it, it looks it just looks more aerodynamic the way they have the kind of the white shearing off the, uh, the side pods at the end um, and kind of trailing towards uh, the rear wing. Like I, it just looks really, really nice. I'm, this is by far, it's gonna be a hard one to beat. I think for any other F1 team, it's really, really nice. Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful. I'm biased because my motorcycle basically has the same color scheme, but with a little bit of gold. Um, I love this. I love red, white, and black. I think it's one of the best color schemes out there. Um, so I, it looks amazing. Um, I, I also, what I do like from the side angles is I, I mean, I like that all their sponsorships main, like the big ones are kind of like right out front and they just kind of have smaller sponsorships throughout the side. I mean, they're still there, but they're not as big as the Red Bull one and Haas is fucking really big right in the middle. So that's yeah, right. Uh, and uh, MoneyGram's their big uh, presenting sponsor, I guess you could say, yeah. this year. And I like how they chose a sponsor that fits with the color scheme of the car and the team as well. <laughs> like that's very un a very underrated thing that, that like I really really love when when manufacturers do is when they kind of can uh, find a sponsor that has the same color scheme as theirs because it, the MoneyGram. Although you know it's there, it sticks out. It doesn't stand out like crazy at you because it, it kind of blends in the car really well the way they did it. So um, no, a, a plus for Haas for me. 
And we all know red makes you go like 5% faster. So, yes. <laughs> yes. Unless you're Charles Leclerc in a Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like the MoneyGram logo is, you know, if you didn't know MoneyGram, you'd think that that was like the team logo or something. It just kind of looks like it it blends in well with it. And I like the little bit of red, of course, on the wheel covers as well. Yeah. It's just, just a good contrast overall, the white, the black, the red. Yeah, it's one of the better color combinations, not just for F1 cars, but for everything in general. So I like it. I like uh, Haas has always had some pretty solid liveries, and they don't do any drastic changes. They've kind of always kept similar color schemes, but I like that they change it almost year to year to where it's it's different, but it still has that Haas brand to it. Yeah. So it's recognizable, but it's new and it's fresh, and you're like, it's nice on the eye. And I think, like you said, Tyler, this is going to look really good under the lights, and we won't have to wait long to see it. I mean, first testing session in Bahrain, We'll be able to see how this one sparkles under the lights. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I really hope that it's, uh, I'm not sure what finish is going to be on the car, if it's a matte or a gloss, but I really hope this is a glossy finish uh, to this one because I think that would really make that black stand out even more under the lights. Yeah, and like you mentioned with the wheel wells, with the color scheme that they have, white, yellow, and red, they'll all look really good with it as well. So. Mm. Yeah, it's true. I guess well, the only kind of weird tire would be the yellow, yellow wall tires, but I mean, it's still, I think it would It'll look, look really good. good. Yeah. 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 So that is the Haas VF23, and we will get to see the uh, physical car actually debut in um, in Bahrain in a few weeks' time when uh, when they go to testing. So that's pretty much it on on the livery launch side of things. As you mentioned, Tyler, we have eight more to go by the time this podcast comes out. Uh, Williams will have debuted and uh, I think Alfa Romeo is on tap and then we got some of the bigger teams coming the following week Ferrari on Valentine's Day McLaren and then Mercedes as well so we'll see if we get any really drastically new liveries but I think Haas might have won it already uh, unless some of these other teams come out with some surprises which hopefully they do and then we'll have a little bit more to react on so Maybe just to uh, give a little bit more content out to the viewers out there, we can speak a little bit about Haas before uh, we move to wrap up this episode. And we didn't touch we didn't touch on the fact that they've got a new driver lineup this season with Nico Hulkenberg back in Formula One. So just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on Hulkenberg back in F1 and the partnership with Kevin Magnussen for 2023. Yeah, of course, it's everyone's talking point because of the relationship that Hulkenberg and Magnussen uh, have with one another um, but of course that, that must be pushed in the past I think there's a lot of good content uh, social wise that Haas could do with these two drivers and in history and everything um, especially at the start of the season but no I think it's a great driver lineup obviously they want more of a veteran leadership um, with Hulkenberg coming in I mean they had those young the young talents for the last few years uh, during the COVID to uh, help more with money you could say um, with uh Nikita Mazepin and uh, of course Mick Schumacher getting um, his release uh, this last year as well and so uh, going from young drivers to now a, v- a very veteran lineup in Hulkenberg and Magnussen and Magnussen proved last year how um, how well he can do in a Formula One car it was crazy he was almost he was without a drive at the start of the season and I mean now look at, into what it's turned into for him as well so uh, I'm very uh, optimistic for Haas this season. I think uh, with that driver lineup, they could have some success. Um, I'm stoked for Nico Hulkenberg to come back. Really excited to see the number 27 back as well. Also, I was really disappointed that there was no German drivers on the grid. So I'm stoked for Nico Hulkenberg to come back. And my shit just fell over from that. 
<laughs> relax, <laughs> man. Relax. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I'm really excited because even like the, I think he three races in 2021 that he would like had no practice in any of those vehicles had no like physical training whatsoever still came in and did really well in those races i think it was from mercedes correct mercedes? aston martin, aston martin. Yeah. um yeah he did he did well in those races so I, i'm really excited to see nico hulkenberg come back and uh to see that partnership between them because i you know nico hulkenberg still needs a win he never got that um, so I'm, I'm very excited to see them, both of them on the grid. Yeah. I think the run in that they had a few years ago at the Hungarian Grand Prix, it's all, you know, water under the bridge at this point. Um, you know, they've, they've gone past that. It, it wasn't much of a big deal anyways, but it obviously was a very funny incident that, uh, will always be replayed over and over again. So it, it's funny though. It's, it's crazy how these are two drivers that, at the start of last season, we never would have predicted to see them on the 2023 entry list. And here they are on the same team as teammates. And it's a great chance for Hulkenberg at age 35. Let's see what his motivation is like. Let's see what his drive is like after all these years in F1. It's not often that a driver who sits off for two years ends up coming back into Formula One. I know Esteban Ocon did it recently, but uh, I think this was a surprise from Hulkenberg. I thought that his time had passed, but it paid off for him to to take that time off to rest, to recuperate, and then uh, to have a couple of those stand-in races, not just last year, but also in 2020, was was really big for him. So it's an advantage that he has a feel for what these cars are like, and um, he'll get three days of testing in Bahrain to get up to speed with all of Haas's new protocols. But I'm really curious to see how he will perform this season, and Haas in general. I hope that they can get do a little bit better than they did in, in 2022. So, uh, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. And, and just on that, before we get to the last thing, we didn't really mention this when we were talking about Red Bull, but of course they have a new reserve driver as well, and it's a, a gentleman that we're all pretty familiar with, and that's uh, Daniel Ricciardo returning home to McLaren, and he seems really happy to be back at McLaren, or excuse me, not McLaren, <laughs> Red Bull, <laughs> returning home to Red Bull. He seems really happy to be back home, and I think that he's pretty at peace with his decision to not go for another seed and to just sit on the sidelines and who knows i mean he might get a chance to jump in this season if uh, you know just in case if perez or verstappen ends up being ill or for whatever reason um he's there but uh i think uh it's nice to see him back at red bull we'll see what opportunities come up with him but he seemed pretty comfortable up there on the stage with uh with the red bull family once again yeah i mean i'm hoping that he gets in that red bull seat somehow um uh, and that's no shot at, at Sergio Perez. Perez is a phenomenal driver, but, um, you know, it's, it's, Daniel's just a, a fan loved, uh, fan loved driver. And I think it'd be really interesting to have him and Max finally have that, um, title battle that they, they should have had back in the day. So, uh, and the drama that would follow behind that as well. I mean, I think it'd be really interesting. And, um, uh, we all love Daniel Ricardo as a driver and as a personality too. So, um, it's great to see him still in F1. Um, let's just hope that uh, he has maybe gets a seat next year if he doesn't get any chances this year. Yeah, I mean, love Danny Rick. Really excited to see him as a reserve driver for Red Bull. Um, but, I mean, I think it's great for Red Bull to have Danny Rick as, like, a very experienced reserve driver because he'll be helping with the testing as well. And I think we mentioned when we first started this podcast, the Red Bull – car back in the day always seemed to sh like suit Danny Rick and Max 
whoever came to drive that Red Bull, if you, you know, a couple of drivers, it wasn't until Perez came along and could actually drive that thing, but no one ever suited that car other than Danny Rick and Perez. So it's, it's three experienced drivers in Red Bull to be testing that, to, to be uh, testing that Red Bull and get it the way they want to drive is going to be great for the team as well. And hopefully he stays long for the Red Bull testing as well. Cause I know he's a big American fan. So he'll, uh, he's going to be very happy about that. <laughs> Yeah, good point there. I forget he'll be doing uh, the bulk of the simulator work this season. So that's going to be very, very valuable for Red Bull. Um, I, they've had some pretty good simulator drivers like Sebastian Buemi and others. But Daniel Ricciardo, of course, having driven full-time the last couple of years is, is a huge asset to have. And you never know. I mean, listen, the pressure is on Sergio Perez. If he does end up having a really rough start to the season or just a really rough 2023 in general, which I don't think that he will... But if that happens, then who knows? Maybe Red Bull decides to uh, pull the trigger and bring back Daniel Ricciardo. Be very curious to see what the the head-to-head would be with Verstappen you know, now versus what it was five, six years ago. I think it would be quite different because Verstappen is just operating at such a high level. But uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, good to see that he's at least involved in Formula 1 in one way or another. So that about wraps up all the notes that I had for this edition of the podcast. So we got a little bit of time left. I could leave the floor to you guys. Is there, is there anything on your mind about uh, anything you've seen in the preseason so far? Anything upcoming? Anything related to the channel that you wanted to talk about? I'll give the floor to you guys. Well, as of this recording time, uh, we are just 26 days to lights out and away we go in Bahrain. And it's crazy how uh, the season is kind of just stuck up. I didn't realize how close we were to the start of the season, but... Within the next couple of weeks, we're going to have all of our launches and all of our preseason testing, and we'll be right into uh, the first race of the season, which is uh, unreal to see kind of how quickly this offseason has come along. It, it, I felt I feel like maybe just this last month has gone by really quick in terms of um, the, the F1 offseason, and I didn't realize how quickly around the corner we were. But yeah, just 26 days as of this recording, the uh, lights out, and away we go. and. Um, I'm really excited to see what we're going to see this season. I hope we can have uh, a title challenge this year, unlike uh, last year, and we see Max Verstappen get challenged for that world world championship. Yeah, I mean, I, I have really nothing to add until we see more vehicles and more liveries. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just excited for the 2023 season because, you know, it's been a while, and, and like you mentioned, Tyler, it would be nice to see a title championship um, rather than just one team basically just winning every other race um yeah i i'm just honestly it's always nice to see these updates at the beginning of the season because like i'm always excited for 2023 but it makes me more i look more forward to when the next change is going to happen with all the teams that are coming in now so yeah i always love off season personally for whatever reason i think it's actually my favorite time of the year because everything's fresh and everything's new and you're re-energized after the break and content wise there's more time to plan things out and to upload things it's sometimes in the middle of a season it's such a rush with the back-to-backs and going from one race to another that it's kind of uh, difficult to get things organized and scheduled so i always enjoy the the preseason time so it, it's a lot of fun um i, I echo the same thoughts as you guys there uh, and i'm really looking forward to to testing as well and um i'm excited actually for, for the live streams i i really enjoy when we do the live streams and especially testing as well because it's kind of a free-for-all. There's no uh, pressure. There's nothing really at stake. It's just basically 
talking about F1 cars going around a track for a couple of hours. And uh, it'll be great to have you guys join us for that stream. So like I said on the, off the beginning, uh, stay tuned for the updates for that. And we're going to be posting the schedule very shortly. And um, it's going to be kind of acquiescing to both viewers in the Eastern time zone and the European time zones as well with the AM and PM stream. So we really hope that, uh, of course, all three of us will be present and hopefully we'll have some really nice guests coming on as well to offer their perspectives and expertise. And hopefully we have a lot of people in the live chat as well because we want to get as many people as we can involved. And I might even look at possibly doing some sort of a call-in type uh, feature for one of the days of the live streams where you, the fans, can call into uh, the live stream and just have a discussion with uh, myself or, or all three of us and ask your questions or have your opinions voiced. So I might be doing that. If you guys are interested in that, uh, leave a comment down below as well. So very, very excited for the next couple of weeks. It's going to be very busy. And like you said, the season is right around the corner. It really crept up on us, but uh, it should be another intense full slate of races coming for 2023 which is going to be fun so yeah if uh, you guys don't have anything else i don't have anything else either i think the only thing is i wanted to leave you guys with something that was really cool that caught uh, my attention that's f1 related but not directly in the world of f1 and this was an f1 car going around the uh, mount Pan mount panorama circuit in bathurst of course they are doing the uh, 12 hour race there as we speak but uh, they've done some F1 car runs around here before, but uh, this was a new one with the RB7 just uh, yesterday. So I wanted to play a little bit of this just so you guys can hear some V8 music. Uh, just kind of a throwback here, something really cool. We'll play just about a 30 seconds of it. really is a, a terrific racetrack as well but with the sound of the v8 f1 it's oh man it's just that is just the best noise in the world and uh, i haven't seen that video so i'm gonna check it out right after this but um I, like you mentioned, it's such an iconic race or race circuit in Bathurst. I really want to see the Bathurst 1000 uh, eventually in my lifetime because it just seems like an amazing weekend over there in Australia. But of course, they have the Bathurst 12 hours here. Uh, I think it's, yeah, as, he, as we speak, it's taking part, taking part. So we'll know the winners uh, after this podcast is out, but um, such an amazing racetrack. And to see an F1 car go around that track, it would be pretty cool. That sounded amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it really does. You can find it on Twitter and, and probably on YouTube as well. It was uh, Liam Lawson driving one of the uh, Red Bull Junior drivers over there in Australia. So it was just really cool. wanted to end the podcast there on, uh, on a cool note there. So that'll wrap up uh, episode 133 of the BMF1 Show podcast. That is it for us today. So we really appreciate you joining in, watching today on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcast platform. Coming up next week for the Backmarkers F1 show, we will be continuing on with the F1 team profiles. So stay tuned to that. And of course, just another note as well, guys. We know a lot of you guys are subscribed to the channel, but maybe you're not seeing our videos or it's not popping up in your feed. So make sure you enable 
those notifications, not just on our channel, but also on YouTube as well. So anytime we drop a new video, you get notified directly to your phone or to your computer so that you see those, uh, those new videos from us because I think YouTube, uh, they don't really do us any favors by promoting our content. So you, the subscribers, have to help us. You know, we, we really want to build the audience and make it a close community. So uh, it helps. If you like the videos, hit that thumbs up button, share it as well. That would really help us in the algorithms too. We're trying our hardest over here to uh, publish our videos out to a broader audience. But I mean, uh, when you're at the hands of, when you're at the mercy of YouTube, there's not much that you can do. So <laughs> we're, we're just trying our best here, but uh, we appreciate the support. Thanks to everybody for all the comments on the recent videos. And of course, we really enjoy being back doing the podcast. And I know you guys are enjoying it as well. So thank you again for listening and watching for today. We'll be with you again very shortly. For Tyler McDonald, Shaker Barty, I've been Chris Cato, and it's bye for now.